Welcome to the Solarize podcast from creator, founder, and author Spencer Burke, where we have candid conversations with spiritual innovators, visionaries, change makers, creatives from the edge. These are the people that serve as our scouts and outlooks. The voice is calling for a more humane future, one we desire and are working toward. Both the beauty of New Horizons and the difficulties of taking risks will pepper all of our interviews. Welcome to the Solarize Podcast. My name is Matt Kinzera. I am here with the one and only Spencer Burke and a really special Solarize guest this fine day. Akuyo Graham is with us. This is a, an exciting day, Spencer. I don't. We both had the opportunity to just experience. I don't know how else to say it. <laughs> experience the inspiration of this amazing <laughs> woman. So tell me a little bit about how you guys connected and and how we got to this place where we're all sitting around a table today. <laughs> right. Well, of course, you know, Shana Metzner, who is the uh, co-producer, we're just looking for people who were really spiritual innovators, people who were thinking about not only the depth of who they were, the humane spirituality mm-hmm. that we talk about, but really, we're thinking about innovative ways to try to uh, connect that and express that. And so as we were just kind of flying through the internet, and also Shana listens to a number of podcasts, everything mm-hmm. else, the beauty of being able to find you uh, mm-hmm. and the attraction was the acting, mm-hmm. the, the, the words that you would speak. But then all of a sudden, juvenile justice. You're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then the power of your story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's really what attracted us. And so we had a great phone conversation. And then it was kindred spirits. Mm-hmm. I mean, at that moment, it was like, hey, even if this doesn't happen, it doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, it's just an amazing, fun friendship to develop. So, Akuyo, right, just why don't you give us a little bit of an introduction to who you are, what you do, however you want to introduce yourself to the wonderful listeners today. Sure. And I just want to first say, Spencer, uh, thank you so much for this invitation. When I spoke with Shana and then um, Spencer as well, I was very moved by the audacity of Solar Eyes. And then I thought, how courageous to want to do something like this, to bring people from all over the world together to look at our collective humanity and the role spirituality plays in that and and how it is evolving or perhaps not. So I, I really am very grateful to be a part of this community. I am Akuyo Graham. I was born in Ghana, West Africa. I went to primary school in London, England, and then moved to the United States with my mother. I was raised by a single parent, my mother, Gladys Boy. She's visiting me right now in L.A., so hi, Mom. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. And um, I am a performing artist, an actor, and a writer, and also the founder and executive director of uh, Spirit Awakening Foundation, which is a nonprofit arts organization that I founded 26 years ago. Uh, it grew out of my writing my one-woman play, Spirit Awakening, which is about me finding my authentic voice, finding my place in the world, and really making sense of all the experiences that I'd had growing up in all these different incredible countries and continents. And out of that came the foundation, which brings writing programs, visual arts, and all manner of creative arts activities to 
incarcerated children in the juvenile system here in L.A. County and in other high schools as well. I was so captured listening to you. I think it's because, Akuya, you just you just check off all my boxes. I love <laughs> storytelling. I love young people. And I love talking about justice reform mm-hmm. issues. And that's, that's who you are. <laughs> so when you were talking, I was like, yes, yes, to all of it, which was, which was beautiful. Now, you started your presentation talking a bit about the idea of getting to know your true self, mm-hmm. which I think Spencer and I would both agree is the beginning space of doing anything good in this world, anything valuable in this world is understanding ourselves so we actually know what we have to offer this world. Mm -hmm. So why don't you share a little bit about how you think about that, but also maybe a little bit about that process for yourself. Well, you know, it's interesting being an actor here in Hollywood in this entertainment industry in L.A., a beautiful place and yet a place which put so much emphasis on the veneer, on the outer, on, you know, the things that are changeable. And very little emphasis or attention is paid to what is actually going on inside of a person or our, you know, inner evolution, if you will. And so for me, authenticity is about making the space for me to be aware of who I am and where I am to the best of my ability. Authenticity is about being able to be truthful, you know, without being denigrating or hurtful, you know, in terms of consciously trying to hurt someone, but to be truthful. And and that, that takes practice because, again, it's not really supported by the larger community. We're not encouraged to be truthful. We are not encouraged to be authentic. When you turn on the TV, and as much as I love making commercials, commercials are geared. Everything we're told in, on our TV and the music and on the radio is that none of us are good enough. You know, who we are is not uh, good enough. And you need this or that to fix it. So how do you then function in a society that starts off the bat by telling you that you're not good enough? And yet, I think that we are good enough. I think who we are is intrinsically good enough. And if we would but make the space to give that the attention and the nurturing that it needs and practice being who we are, we will discover that we are beautiful just as we are. Spencer, when I hear Akuyo talk like that, (laughs) it takes me to maybe one of the biggest issues we have in faith communities is this piece where we're we're not doing that. Would you agree with that? Yeah, well, I think we've changed what success is. What does it mean to be human? You know, what Mm -hmm. does it mean to have that sense? And I think it really is the issue of restoring human dignity. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's not just restoring human dignity for others, but what you're talking about is sometimes we have to start with us. The restoration of our own human dignity, Mm -hmm. the understanding of who we are. And I think there isn't anything more deeply spiritual Christian, you know, discipleship, mm-hmm. you know, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And that's what we should be measuring. But we're measuring yeah. so many other things that are the externals. Yeah. Uh, in uh, lean methodology, they ca- they call it vanity metrics. You know, like, how many mm-hmm. likes did you get on your Facebook page? Mm-hmm. How many retweets? That's not necessarily important. It's really what's the essence of what you're trying to yeah. communicate that's so clear. Because people will go 
and try to get more popular clicks, yeah. let's say, they'll say anything yeah. that's the unauthentic yes. self. So what if in our spiritual worlds we would say, no, it's authenticity mm-hmm. at the heart of really what it means to be truly human, yeah. uh, truly spiritual in that way. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think sometimes in our spiritual communities, we're taught to say the right answers maybe or believe in the mm-hmm. right way. And that's not always authentic that's either. Right. Now, I love, Akuyo, you, even when you were talking about you know, discovering who you are, I would mm-hmm. say that in of itself is a wonderful mission in this world to right? do that for anyone. But you took this concept, mm-hmm. started an organization. Well, it didn't start by just starting an organization, mm-hmm. but you got engaged in the juvenile justice system. Mm-hmm. So explain a little bit about, well, maybe first how you got involved, and then secondly, how you're using this idea of storytelling and authentic self in the juvenile justice system. Sure. Well, it began with me writing and telling my own story. I had to come to a place of genuine, authentic expression within myself. I had to learn how to be more self-accepting, self-loving. And and so once I began that journey with story, looking at my own life, uh, where I was born, my relationships with my parents. Like I said, I grew up with a single parent. And so within the Spirit Awakening story, um, I have a scene where I'm talking to my dad and trying to understand his absence, you know. And the, the beautiful thing about storytelling is that, you know, we are all creative beings. And when you begin that process, and if you genuinely want to know, you will know. You know, you will know whatever it is that you need to know in that given moment for your healing, for your wholeness, you know, to be really more realized. And so I was able to, for instance, have a conversation with my father where I I began to understand he grew up during colonial times in Ghana, West Africa. So I said, you know, perhaps it was growing up during those times that something seized you and made you feel inferior. You know, it really was helpful for me rather than being his judge and jury, I, you know, stepped back and to look at the circumstances under which he grew up. And I said, perhaps you grew up with a a scornful mother that's, you know, and a starch father that stifled you. It was really great to to begin to unearth some of the places that I had, whereas before I had condemned and judged him, and now I could stand back and go, perhaps this is what was going on with you, and that's why you couldn't be there in your your role as a father. And that was for me, to help me be able to move on, you know? And so story is incredibly powerful. Once I wrote it, fortunately, I did get really incredible reviews. I was on the cover of the LA Times, and I was actually approached by a, a school, John Muir High School in Pasadena, here in Southern California where they had experienced some very traumatizing violence at the school and in the neighboring community. And so they asked me if I would bring my program to John Muir High School. They'd read that I was in the juvenile halls and I started that by working with LA Theater Works. So there was a lot of different things all happening at the same time. You know, so it wasn't linear. I did this, then this happened. It was this and then there was this happening over here and this happening over there. And they all kind of converged. And my 
my work in the juvenile halls, it had such a profound effect on me. It really took over my life. It was all I focused on. I took time away from acting because I, I just knew I had to do this that was before me. It, it felt like a matter of life and death. And really, it was life and death for me. You know, it gave me an opportunity to really discover my gifts, to discover myself and to take the steps to loving myself, you know, accepting myself, which which is really important, especially in the entertainment industry. <laughs> you better love yourself because, ooh, it's a doozy. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. The Solarize Podcast is brought to you today by our partners at the Igniting Imagination Podcast. Igniting Imagination is a podcast to spark the spirit within you from Wesleyan Investive and Texas Methodist Foundation. They believe every moment for change starts with conversation. They hope the conversations in these episodes might invite you into new perspectives and possibilities, inspire you with an idea, give you insight about your next faithful step, and further equip you to engage in the conversations in your context that can lead to deep change. This season, they are sharing conversations about the five adaptive muscles the church must strengthen to be fit, agile, and ready for God's now. For more information, visit their website at www.wesleyaninvestive.org forward slash igniting dash imagination dash podcast. So give us, uh, give the listeners an understanding of what it is that you're doing with young people in the juvenile system. Well, um, the Spirit Awakening program is called Rites of Passage with a W, and we have several levels of the program. It's an arts program. We're all artists. I've uh, been able to employ many different artists, visual artists. Our art director, Masaso Chiumia, is a visual artist, graphic designer, and painter. Our coup, Georgia Sedlak, is a Berkeley graduate. She's a musician. And then we have uh, actors, B.T. Taylor, and so many others, actors and dancers and uh, musicians with us. And we use our Spirit Awakening curriculum, and we go into the juvenile halls and camps and start with level one called Unmasking Your Authentic Voice, and where we have several questions that uh, students contemplate, and it's designed to help them go on a journey of self-discovery, to get away from the labels, gang member, black, white, woman, boy, just get away from all those labels for a minute, and let's get to your essence, your core. And so the, the program is designed in such a way that they are given times of contemplation, meditation, to inquire, to ask these questions of themselves, to try to lay down the voices that they've heard all their lives that told them they were this or that or the other, or not this or that or the other, you know, and to come to, well, who am I? Underneath all these labels, underneath all these things I've heard, underneath the stereotypes, underneath the labeling, who am I? What is the sound of my true voice? You know, to ask yourself that, what is the sound of my true voice? Because a lot of people, I know I did growing up, I had many voices that I used, you know, and it's one thing if I'm playing a character, but in my own life, it's exhausting. It really is, it's it's exhausting. So to be able to say, well, what is the sound of my real voice? What does that sound like? You know, and to go out, to venture out in the world 
using my real voice, not trying to put one over someone, not trying to, you know, go out there with a veneer of, or an image of the way I think I should be. Because when you think about it, when I thought about it, I thought, wow. So if I reject myself, I'm in, in, in essence rejecting God. I'm going, God, you're not good enough. Hmm. The way you made me just isn't good enough. You failed. And when I thought about it, I said, well, who am I to tell the great creator what you did wasn't good <laughs> enough? You know, could I do better? You know? So there's so many levels you could take that. And kids, young people that we work with, I've learned so much from them. They really do take it to the stratosphere. When they sit and have the space and they feel safe to make that inquiry, their responses and what they discover is really profound. And I think that is such an important statement, that safe space, whether it's mm -hmm. for young people or mm -hmm. ourselves. It reminds me, Spencer, I was thinking of our conversation we had over dinner last night, and both of us came from kind of the evangelical church world, and both of us had a time when we exited that. For me, I don't know if it's the same with you, for me, that was the time when I started doing what Akuyo is talking about, of truly discovering myself, mm -hmm. peeling back those layers, because mm -hmm. whether you're in the juvenile system, whether you're in the post-evangelical space, we all have these layers that, yeah. whether we put them on ourselves or society puts on us, in order to discover that true, authentic form of ourselves, mm -hmm. we have to do that work of the peeling back. Would you feel right. similar? Yeah, I, I would agree. But, but it's also, those are protective levels. Yeah. We want to stay there. We get, you know, there's a hit. You know, there was a reason why I sure. was in the role I was and the safety mm -hmm. of that. But the other side is, and this is what I love about your program, is that no one was going to reason me out of it. Yeah. No one was going to teach me out of it. But uh, the use of meditation. For me, mm -hmm. I found Thich Nhat Hanh, an amazing, beautiful voice. He was off the uh, approved reading list for me. <laughs> yeah. But it opened up the concept of just stopping and peeling and letting that go. Yeah. And so some of it is the contemplation, the meditation, the moments. Mm -hmm. you know. But it also is the arts. Yeah. There's something that... Uh, we allow ourselves to move into a space. It's not the reasoning. Yes. It's the arts that open our hearts. That's right. And so with spiritual innovation work, I think that's what the mm -hmm. beauty is. You haven't come in to try to say, oh, let's make the system right. Let's do, you know, mm -hmm. all of that can happen. Yes. But it happens first by touching the heart. Absolutely. Absolutely, Spencer. What I love about working with the young people that are incarcerated is that you cannot do this work, I don't believe, unless you're prepared to be vulnerable and to be real because they just won't stand for it. You know, they might go along to get along, you know, because they have to protect themselves inside. However, if you really want to touch their hearts, then you have to be willing for them to touch yours. And you can't do it if you're closed up. You know, you have to, you know, go naked to yourself. You know, it doesn't mean you, you can't be safe. You absolutely can be. And vulnerability actually is a strength. I grew up being taught that vulnerability was a weakness. But no, it is a strength. It's, it's powerful to be vulnerable because when I'm vulnerable, that, that allows me to feel. And when I can feel, I can, I can heal and I can, you know, know what's going on inside of me. And when I'm a where and I have what's going on inside of me and and I'm not afraid of it 
then I have all of me, you know, then, then is fortitude and strength and guidance and wisdom. It's all there within me. And the vulnerability allows me to open the doors to all those things. I'm indebted to the children that I've worked with. I'm really indebted to them. They have grown me. They have loved me and taught me so much, taught me so, so much. That attitude that you have, I think, is likely why it's been so successful because so many times we view, you know, we view the other person as the The other. other. And that's so problematic because you were alluding to that this morning that especially young people, Mm -hmm. they can sense that a million miles away. I don't care if they're young people that are really struggling or they're young people that are succeeding i say Mm -hmm. that in quotes in the world there's something about young people they can see through those masks that we wear they can see through that inauthenticity that's and so if we don't come vulnerable yeah they're not going to respond that's right no they're not because if if our defenses are up then and and you're asking them to be defenseless well you've got to meet them there too otherwise it's just not going to work you know and 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 also that's a way you know by modeling behavior that you would like them to emulate we have to model it for them they are young people they're growing and they're wanting to learn they need to see it in action what they're seeing is a world where you know as spencer you said earlier we measure success on such a superficial level you know we we measure success by how much money people have we don't care how they got it you know as long as they have it we don't care if they stole or killed or whatever to get it you know and and they're seeing all of this so you know i i dare say it's very confusing to be a young person and on the one hand they're told you can be whatever you want to be and do whatever you want to do in life you know but then that's not what they're seeing us live out they're they're not seeing that in terms of examples you know and it's not about perfection. I'm not saying we have to be perfect by any means. In, in fact, the contrary. You know, if we try, there are days when I, I would go into classes and they'd go, what's up to say? And I'll say, oh, it's a, it's a challenging morning for me this morning. You know, I don't have to go into details. You know, I, I honor boundaries, you know. However, it's okay to let them know that, hey, this is a tough morning for me. Life can be tough, you know, and I I don't have to put on the veneer of, oh, everything's great because I'm the teacher and you're not. No, if it's a tough morning, it's a tough morning, you know, And, and, and what's, again, so beautiful is their kindness. You know, they'll, if, if someone's like, hey, stop it. Miss Hayes having a tough morning this morning, so let's be kind. <laughs> you know? And um, and I think one of the stories I told earlier, Spencer, was of the young girl who was incarcerated because of drug problems and she her whole family. And one day she pulled me aside and just she just said, uh, you know, Miss Hayes, do you think you could reach out to my mom? I just want to know she's okay. Can you help my mother? just want to make sure she's okay. Now, what's amazing about that is that this girl had been abused by her mother. Mm-hmm. You know, the level of compassion and forgiveness that these children have, that they care about their abusers. You know, they care. Even though she recognized that being with her mother may not be the best thing for her, she still wanted to know that her mother, one, was okay, and that her mother was also getting the help that she needed. You know, and that just touched me so deeply. You know, it wasn't, well, she's my abuser, so F her. It was, please make sure she's okay. She needs help. 
I think it's it's restoring human dignity to both yeah. the oppressed and the oppressor. Boundaries, like you said, yeah. let's just agree that there are places where you know that's not wise. Or whatever, you sure. Know, let's just get. But if we if we do the same harm to those that they did to us. Revenge was never the place. In fact, Daniel, uh, who's doing a workshop coming up uh, this afternoon, he had this fascinating idea. He says this. To try this on. This is, I thought it was brilliant. He said you know, on leadership, he runs the African leadership training in uh, mm-hmm. Johannesburg, and he said that we always lead from the past. Because if you lead from unforgiveness, you're always in the past. You're mm-hmm. actually, you killed my brother, then I go to the past. Yeah. I'll kill your brother. Future leaders mm-hmm. are able to engage in forgiveness, restoration. Sure. Then you can serve from the front. Sure. And as you're talking about this, she seems like this great leader. That's you know, right. this wonderful. And her mom, because some parents don't even know. Sometimes, and I'm so <sighs> sad that it happens, but sometimes the children will be the ones who lead the parents to a path and a road. Because we've got to break that cycle. That's right. And each one of us, in our own way, have to be responsible. It's not letting go of what people have done to us. But in our true self, taking apart all of the masks, being that vulnerable, in that state, we are in the future. That's right. Leading to that place. Absolutely. And and what you said, Spencer, I think speaks to how we value children. You know, if we really valued them, then we'd know that no matter how old a person is, they, there's value. There, there's wisdom there. There is wisdom there. You know, to and to be accepting of that. I think. Again, in our modern society, we exploit children, their youth and their energy and everything else. We, that's not necessarily respect, you know. And if we were really to respect them and to say, hey, you, you, see, you have a seat at the table. Can, I, I've often thought, wouldn't it be wonderful if we, you know, in, in, in our politics, if we had young people, you know, at least make a space for their ideas. They live in this world too, you know. So can you imagine the world we have set up as humans right now, the adults, we make all the decisions, we make, you know, all the plans, and the kids are still there, and they have to participate in. What if we gave them a real voice? You know, and said, hey, what do you guys think about this? You know, I I know there are brilliant ideas out there. So why don't we make more space for our children to get a seat at the table in a real way, you know, so that their ideas can be integrated into our society since they actually do live here, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know? And we can even take that into the juvenile justice system as well. Are we asking them what they need or are we just telling them what they need? Exactly. And the statistics, all of the numbers show that everything we're trying is not working. That's right. And you had mentioned that there's some exciting happenings in Yes, in in L.A. County. Yes. L.A. County, the County Board of Supervisors for Los Angeles have tasked probation to dismantle the juvenile system within the next five years. You know, so a lot of changes are afoot, including what you just said, really bringing these young people to the table and saying, what do you need? What do you think will work? You know, you had this experience. What did you see in this experience that we we can take uh, from that what did you learn you know so that your siblings don't have to go through the same experience because that's the other thing you'd speak to any of the young people in the juvenile system and that one of the first things they'll say is I don't want my my cousin my brother or my sister to go through this 
no matter how tough they may act, you know, and I've made my allegiance to my gang or whatever, blah, 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 blah. But no, leave my little sister alone. Leave my brother alone. I don't want them to do this, you know, and they, they are really sincere about that. So if we brought them to the table and say, what was it, you know, that brought you to this life? What, what do you think was missing? What should have been there or could have been there that might have perhaps taken you down a different path? And they will tell you. And that's a way to honor, right? To honor our voices, all of our collective voices, as opposed to, as you said, Matt, well, we're in charge and we know what's right and, and this is the way it is. No, we're, we're all in this together. It's a collective. Well, wonderful. Akuyo, thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for being a part of Solarize. How can people find out more about what you're doing and connect with you? They can go to www.spiritawakening.org. That's our website. And there's a way to send me an email or find out more information. Just go to our website. Thank you. Well, thank you so much. Just what an honor and a blessing to be with you today. Likewise. Thank you. Special thanks again to our guest, Akuyo Graham. Again, for more information, go to www.spiritawakening.org. I also want to let you know about a special virtual event coming up called Voices of the Unheard. It is on Friday, November 5th at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, and there's a link to the Facebook event with more information in the show notes of this episode. Make sure you support the Solarize podcast by subscribing to it, giving it a five-star rating, and write a review.